This is episode 154 of the Empowered Team Podcast. Welcome to the Empowered Team Podcast, where we explore how to optimize your performance in career, sport, and life. And now your host, Vitality and Peak Performance Coach, Kari Schneider. butchering that, uh, Michele, so excuse my lack of Italian pronunciation. I've got a little bit of French, a little bit of pig Latin, but that's, that's about it. <laughs> so well, welcome. We are so happy to have you on the Empowered Team podcast. You Kerry. have an incredible experience. Sorry, thanks so much for having me. <laughs> oh, no problem. So uh, you are an ultra marathoner, but that that identity or title does not do you justice. You have, you've got a Guinness book of world records. You've won incredible races, like, like the bad water, the death Valley. And you are, you come from a background that most would consider unlikely for maybe the ultra marathon world. So that's my small take on things can you give us a little bit of a uh a snapshot of where you came from and how you got into ultra oh absolutely well again thanks for having me it's great to connect with you today um yeah i would say i've had a pretty unlikely journey uh in my life i was born and raised in italy in a small town on the northwest coast and um you know, I grew up like old kids out there, you know, fascinated with soccer and, you know, hanging out with the family. And uh, right after the studies, I um, actually started working in the family business in the floral industry. And uh, thanks to that, eventually I decided to spend, uh, you know, I started working with international markets and um, 2007 came around and I decided to spend some time across, you know, across the pond, specifically in Miami, Florida. Uh, which at the time was the main port of entry for us and uh you know perhaps to improve the language and expand the business and you know at the time i was actually even looking into opening up a branch and doing something on my own in a way but uh first week i landed in uh in florida i i very much by chance i got scouted by a renowned modeling agent and right out right out there you know, Ocean Drive. I was still looking for an and uh, you know one thing led to another. And that day, I walked out of her office with a contract in hand that literally changed my life completely. Uh, you know, I was 24 years old at the time, and you know, again, coming from a small town in Italy, found myself in Miami, introduced to this whole new world. You know, it felt like a dream, and uh, and and that's how pretty much it all started. You know, at that point, I started working. In, down in Miami and started picking up momentum. So, I, you know, I had the opportunity to travel quite a bit between, you know, New York, Milan, and all those, you know, Paris, London, all those big spot fashion spots. And life was good. You know, life was great, actually. Uh, you know, not only on a on a um, career level, financial level, but also on a on a personal level. Because again, you know, you, you got introduced to this whole new industry. And I started riding that wave and, you know, started working with the biggest names in the, in the world, you know, in the, in the 
fashion industry, started working with the biggest photographers and clients. And it was very rewarding. There was very rewarding um, also in a sense of, uh, you know, you get introduced to that whole lifestyle. Everybody wants you, everybody, you know, you, you represent that image, right? So, you know, clubs and restaurants, everybody wants you here, everybody wants you there, everything is handed out. And for a bit, you know, for a, for a chapter, or at least for a little portion of that time, felt like the king of the world. You know, it's, it was, rep, it, I was living that image of success that is portrayed in movies and TVs and all of that as that, you know, the status that you reach that certain status, you're making money, you're partying with the celebrities and the social light. And so, you know, you think like, that's, that's what it's all about. And, uh, and it was, it was, it was fantastic for, for, for a period of time until I just, you know, I started getting, you know, sucked up into it. And, um, and you also then realize the negative side, you know, it's, it's all, fancy and glamorous until you don't kind of you know look at the backside of the coin and the flip side was you know the detrimental lifestyle that came with it you know it, sex drugs and rock and roll whatever it was but you know that's that's fun up on a certain point then it, you realize how shallow and and empty that uh, leaves you and so i started going through a very deep um, i would say personal crisis. Uh, I don't want to necessarily say depression because everything was great. You know, I had a, at that point I had moved to New York. I decided to, to, to deepen my, you know, my presence in the biggest market. And uh, despite, you know, the, the, the apartments I had here and there, the, the, the cars and partying still, and, you know, the money, that financial reward that I was getting, I started getting into a very, like in a deep sense of dissatisfaction. I just couldn't find, um, I couldn't find purpose or fulfillment mm -hmm. behind everything that I was doing. Again, it was, I was pursuing that image, but then realized that that wasn't the answer for me. And so I went through, uh, you know, a few episodes that eventually made me reassess my whole, or actually not necessarily reassess, but made me question my whole existence. I came to a, a very, very critical bottom point where I even contemplated, you know, ending it all. Um, you know, I, I speak about it in my book uh, that recently launched Ultra. Um, you know, it was a cold spring night, 2009. And I just, you know, came back from another, from yet another party filled with celebrities and bottles and all of those things. And, uh, you know, walked home to my, um, uh, uh, to my apartment in Battery Park. And, uh, you know, it was a very um, cathartic, let's say that, uh, moment of my life, just because I came to, to really uh, question myself what I was doing and, and if it was all worth it. And so, you know, I sat outside the 15th floor of my apartment window and I, I sat out there for a long time thinking if it was, you know, what, you know, what was all about? What, what am I doing with this life of mine? And that very moment that, you know, as, as at the crack of dawn, I, I came to the realization that it's never, you know, nothing is ever all lost. You know, we always have the opportunity to, you know, if we're not content, if we're not happy in a certain moment in our lives, we can, at any moment, doesn't matter what age or circumstance, circumstances, we can always 
climb out of that pit. We can always look up and see the light and we can always reinvent ourselves. You know, nothing is set in stone, nothing is forever. So that realization and also the love of my family kind of brought me back into my senses and made me realize that all I needed to do was to pick myself up and change. And so change I did, or at least I looked for it. <laughs> and, you know, for a good portion of time, I started digging within to discover and find out what could have given me a new, new verb, you know, a new perspective in life to climb out of that pit and find joy once again. And so, you know, I, I very much retraced everything back to the roots. You know, I was raised, uh, born and raised in Italy. I had a, you know, great fortune to have a family that introduced me to, uh, you know, in a way to nature and appreciation for nature and the outdoors from a very young age. You know, we were, we lived by the Mediterranean Sea, but we had the Alps right behind. So we skied the Alps in the winter. We hiked the Dolomites in the summer. So I was very fortunate to be introduced to that or at least feel that connection right from, from a very young age. And so all these things kind of gave me, again, a sense of like a breath of fresh air. I started, and, and at that moment, living in New York City, feeling caged in that concrete jungle, the, you know, the, 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 the desire to explore the outdoors and reconnect to nature and, you know, find adventure, it kind of gave me excitement. So I started reading a bunch of things and started watching documentaries of explorers and adventures of all kinds from high mountain climbers, ocean rowers, all type of stuff. It was all great, but nothing really spoke to me until. So hold uh, on, hold on. Sorry. On, on this, at this point, like I'm, I'm visualizing this, the scenario and you know sensing the the plethora of pleasures that you're experiencing the the significance around other people the the um highs from the drugs the highs from the money the the status the new experiences the the recognition all of these things that are coming and then it's almost like this full circle of realizing that just the simplest, simplest things that you always had, the love of your family, the raw joy, the dogs in the background. Yes, apologies. <laughs> it's actually the dog wanting me to open the door for it to come in. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's the beauty of the live. <laughs> I love it. I love it. There we go. <laughs> it's all coming back in this in this way of simplicity of it almost sounds like you never would have appreciated what you always had had you not gone to that other other extreme. And so um one of the questions I have in, in when, when you're pursuing, when you're going back to nature, you're connecting with maybe adventures or the Alps or different, different situations, and you're not quite finding the right thing. At that point, are you still connected with the party buddies, the modeling friends that are you still in the world of modeling at that time as well? Well, I had to, you know, uh, you know, I discovered, eventually I discovered in the Christmas time of 2010, eventually I discovered ultra running and it was like a lighting bulb. I was like, you know, it's like a moment of like, okay, this is it. I didn't know why. 
and you know, I never ran a marathon. I never, I never really, you know, I ran a little cross country or track when I was like in middle school, early yeah. years of high school, yeah. like pretty much all of us did. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I never been an actual runner. Actually, at the time I was a beefy gym guy, you know, being in fit. as a model and uh, a period of time I still had to play that game in the modeling world and I still had to do what I needed to do to you know to pay the bills I had you know a whole system set up I was still traveling doing all of that but I was in a way I found out something that truly called me and and the more I was transitioning towards ultra running because um, again to me it was it was such a an incredible moment in my life that it was almost like a calling. I didn't know how, I didn't know why, I didn't know when, but my desire was to commit myself wholeheartedly to the craft. And I was committed to making my life, to making my career, to, to, it's almost like, you know, I was living a completely different life and perhaps following the, you know, the teachings of most of the motivationals, you know, motivational um, characters that we have in our, you know, in our society uh, and the American dream, you know, you can, you can do it if you want to, you know, if you really uh, dedicate yourself, you can achieve whatever you set out to do. You know, I believed it. And I was like, I don't know how, but I'm going to do it. And so, I, you know, you as have, you already had the example of showing up in Miami and having everything fall on your lap, but then, that's, but yeah. how, you know, if you've never run a marathon, you've never run an ultra. <laughs> I, it seems mind boggling to think that yeah. you've, you've committed so deeply or find it as a calling when you don't even know what the struggle or the pain is. Right, right, right. <laughs> that didn't, you know, that didn't matter. That didn't, yeah. matter. It doesn't matter. And that's, you know, that's, that's a great message that I think, um, you know, the message that I like to share and that transcends the discipline in itself, you know, sport, is that whatever calls you, whatever passion, whatever desire you have, and I, you know, we all have a deeper desire. You know, when we go, I remember when, you know, first day of school, elementary school, I remember the teachers telling us, you know, asking us, what do you want to be when you grow up? And everybody wants to be an astronaut. He wants to be something spectacular. And then, you know, the societal trend shrinks us down to the, you know, you need to kind of, put yourself into a box and fit in the status, the, the, the societal, you know, Constant. whatever it is, your construct, there you go. Yeah. And so, you know, we tend to put our dreams on the side because, you know, we lack probably faith in ourselves. Mm -hmm. We, we, tr we stop, you know, believing in ourselves. And so, you know, we, perhaps we are, we tend to be, uh, you know, to just feel comfortable in what is, you know, that sense of security that a normal job, a normal career will give you, but that's, that shrinks your souls down. Mm -hmm. That doesn't allow you to spread your wings and actually live the life that you are meant to live. Mm -hmm. And so to me, all of these things spoke personally, spoke directly. And I was like, you know what? I don't care that I've never been a runner. This is the life, you know, I, the reason why I felt so connected to this is because that one book by Dean Karnazes called Ultra Marathon Man was so mind, blo mind blowing, mind boggling. This, this feats of endurance, these adventures, like pushing you outside your comfort zone, pushing outside everything that you know to, to find a deeper connection and find your true potential. 
like it was so fascinating but more than that i very much connected to the author you know he was he discovered ultra running at 30 years old yeah. i was 27 at the time and you know despite the fact that we came from two different careers he, he was a successful businessman working for a fortune 500 and on my end i was a successful model but you know we came to the same conclusion we achieved material success we achieved that you know dream of whatever you know hitting a certain social status and yet not finding fulfillment not finding you know contentment and so that spoke to me completely because again he was able in a short you know in a span of a short few years to reinvent himself completely and so i said you know what if he did it why can't i yeah so his his example paved the way for me to pretty much question everything that i was doing and commit myself to this nonsense let's say <laughs> <laughs> and you know fast forward 10 years later we're here talking <laughs> so i i have to i have to get this snapshot of your first race because <laughs> most people even most people who have trained for a marathon never fully train for the full distance let alone an ultra and yeah. it, having having you know I've, I've done distance races i've done various things i've trained a number of people for uh, uh whether it's marathons ultras other types of endurance things a lot of them who are first timers, especially first timers, don't complete training of the full distance of the event. Right. Tell us about leading into your first race. It, it was Death Valley, wasn't it? It was the, the bad water. Well, no, no, no. The first race I did was actually the Keys 100 down in South oh, Florida. Okay, yes. Um, and I'm what happened there, so I, you know, I, and it's funny because, you know, again, I started reading that book. Um, I, I found out about ultra marathons at the end of 2010, right around the Christmas holidays, January 1st, bought a first, you know, bought my first pair of shoes. I started running laps in Central Park, committed to be, I wanted to be part of it. I wanted to, you know, I, I always in a way, um, loved running, but it wasn't about running. It was about ultra it was about going beyond the physical going beyond running and you that's what potential. finding out what what we're truly capable of and not accepting the limits that are given to us but venturing into the unknown in a way to find out what we're truly capable of and that's what's what, what fascinates me to the to the day today uh to this day and and so you know when i started when i started running back in 2011 i I wasn't interested in running a half marathon or running a marathon. And I'm not talking down to any of those distances because no, they're all no. absolutely yep. respectable and fascinating. And they all, you know, even a 5K is an outstanding challenge. So it's what you I, were inspired by. And so, you know, I would I wanted to be part of that. I wanted to see what it was all about. So I looked online, I I found those keys, the keys down in Florida. Um, and I was like, you know what? let's pull the trigger. I signed up for my first race, which was a hundred miler. So I jumped in head first. Uh, in those four, four and a half months, I literally killed myself because I started, you know, I, I knew nothing about how to train. Yeah. How to periodize. For a marathon, let alone for ultra run. Yeah. <laughs> so so what I did, 
Yep. I don't know. Just I, the, the little things. <laughs> I just went out and ran. So what I did, you know, I started doing a lot of research online because I knew nobody that did this type of thing. So I, I didn't have any, you know, any access to to people that I could talk about it. I could, you know, draw some experience from. And so I started doing researches online and I landed on several web, several blogs at the time of these top athletes running, you know, winning races and documenting their training. And, and my thought was, and their, their blisters and bleeding nipples and all those things. Yeah, yeah, no, that, <laughs> that was just like, you know, a, a, a side effect of it, but it didn't matter. So to me, to me, the thought, the, the, the simple thought was, okay, if these guys are successful, and this is how they train, all I have to do is train like they do, and I'll be good too. Makes sense, right? The problem is you don't look at years to get to that point. So I literally ran myself into the ground. Um, I, I started from basically, you know, tw 10, 20 miles a week to up about 140 in so a matter of four months. Two things that come to mind, training age and beginner stupidity. Those are the two things. That's, <laughs> I was like... <laughs> completely complete stupidity there yeah <laughs> nonsense but you know awesome you know if no if nobody tells you you cannot do it it doesn't matter you do it the best and so thing. i did you know i ran through injuries i ran through setbacks i ran through the cold of the new york winter to then toe the line in the in mid-may down in the tropics and with a handheld in, in, you know, handheld in my hands and a short, short pair of short shorts and no, no shirt. And I was like, all right, let's run. So, you know, I, I told the line with high hopes and great desire to do it, to, to understand what Dean was talking about. And I ran, I ran, I ran, I ran until I could run no more. And a mile 84, I passed out cold. Uh, I woke up in an ambulance with my family, which came from Italy to crew for me crying begging me to never do it again and that's how it started <laughs> mickey no mickey no please <laughs> don't do this to us and yourself <laughs> don't do it again that's that's complete insanity but you know for whatever reason that sparked even more that desire to to do it to do it more to do it you know to venture beyond that point and understand if i could actually do it you know, I licked my wounds. It took me a long time to, to kind of get back on my feet because that, that first race was literally a death march, you know. Um, the one thing, though, that gave me uh, somewhat of, a, you know, the lift in my spirit was the fact that when I passed out, I was about, you know, just over a half marathon to go, and I was in the lead. And so, you know, I was like, okay, if I get to, if I get my knowledge right, if I ex explore more this whole thing, because, you know, race made me understand that it's not just about running. You need to discover, you need to know more about nutrition, about hydration, about self-management, about the mental, all of these things. And, you know, with that knowledge, with that understanding that I could, that I could be good at it, I started diving in even more. And eventually, six months later, I towed the line to a 50-miler. I won that race. A uh, month later, I towed the line to 100K. I won that race. And so, you know, it was like, it, it was almost like feeding off of itself, you know, that positivity. I was like, okay, the more I know, the more I dedicate, the better I'm getting. So why not go all in? 
And so that's what I did. You know, in the following two years, basically, I, I drifted more and more away from modeling to become more and more of a runner. And in 2014, 2015, I actually signed my first contract and I was able to make the switch. That's incredible, first of all. And I, I can't even imagine the amount of training you've put in as well. Uh, what, I, what I want, what I'm curious about is you've got this extreme on one end of this high flying lifestyle and, and these extreme physical and emotional and uh, pleasurable experiences. And that can be addictive because we've got this dopamine dump in our brain. You know, it's like oh, the, next, the next price tag, the next purchase, the next contract, the next yeah. thing. This is the extreme on the other end, but there's so many parallels in some ways, just the, there's, it's still an extreme. It's still kind of this, this um, top end of something that's so, so different. Do you think this is part of this want for um, the limit, like the limit of yourself or the limit of experience or what, what do you think, you know, I, I see some parallels there and some extreme differences. What do you, what do you think of it for yourself? Well, you know, I, I can tell you there are a lot of ultra runners that are recovering addicts. Uh, whether they're, you know, alcohol or drugs, abuse, you know, or whatever, you know, because you get that dopamine reward, as you were saying. And so, you know, switching it to ultra running kind of allowed them to take away that negative and make it into somewhat of a, you know, you're working on yourself, you're, you're working on your physical and your emotional, your mental. So it's somewhat of a positive, but it still is an addiction. And I get that. And that's pretty much how it started for me. And I don't want to say like it was, uh, necessary, uh, necessarily like a, a switch of addictions, but at the beginning to me was somewhat of a positive slash negative because it was a, a way to get away. It was almost like I was running away from that and it gave me an opportunity to pursue something else. But over the years, that became from, a, you know, it changed direction from instead of running away from it, it started going towards it. It started accepting what it was. And, you know, I don't do it for the necessarily for the, you know, as a, as a swapping addictions, rather I, I change completely my, you know, my perspective towards it. It's right now I don't get out there because I need to, you know, to feel, you know, swamped with adrenaline endorphins, all of those pleasurable things, but it's just become a way for me to, to pursue, uh, it's it's a different pursuit. It's a it's a it's a pursuit of um, of self growth. It's a pursuit of finding purpose. It's a pursuit of fulfillment. And so that to me changed the record completely. It changed the direction. It's no longer a negative thread. It's it's an empowering journey of self growth, of self development, and that is absolutely. Uh, addictive in, in, in a different way, yeah. but you know, it's not a negative addiction. It's a part of positive addiction that allows me to, in a way, get up every morning with the, with the understanding that everything I'm doing is to better myself, to, 
to become the better version version of myself every single day. So there is purpose behind it. It's not just getting out because I need to find that, you know, to, to satisfy my, my, you know, my physical self. It's, it's a higher calling in my opinion at this point. It, it sounds like there's a, it sounds like there's a, a spiritual exploration in it. And it also sounds too like, um, I've heard a definition of addiction as the narrowing of what, what someone can find any sort of pleasure from. It just narrows and narrows and narrows as to what someone can find pleasure from. But this sounds more like a broadening of that and more of an exploration of what's possible in, in your own experience. That's absolutely right. If on that same thread, if, if ultra was taken away from you, what, what, what would you feel or what would that be like for you? Someone just, boom, well, gone. Well, you know, that's a very, I would or say maybe, that's a really that good question. In, in COVID, maybe that, that was the reality a year ago. Ultra's gone. No, yeah, no yeah, longer because of COVID. Yeah. And you know that, you know, I, I very much, I, I love the question. It's a very challenging question. Um, and and I, I relate to that because exactly last year, you know, all our securities, all, all our sense of control fell apart. And, you know, with no races, no things ahead, it was very challenging at the beginning to kind of reset and reassess the situation to kind of find what, because, you know, you have to find you have to motivate you have to find the right motivation what inspires you the why why are you doing what you're doing because you know when the going gets tough you have to have that anchor and that that relates you know that transcends the sport and that can relate to anybody you know relationship careers businesses whatever so you have to have a strong why and you know if your why is all is just racing because you get that addiction from it Additives, yeah that's that's short-lived in my opinion so to me, it was very much another journey within to kind of retrace it back to the roots and not doing what I'm doing because I need to set records or win races, but doing what I'm doing because that's, that's just who I am and that's what gives me purpose every single day. That's what gives me joy. Like I, 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 I find contentment in the simple act of getting out there and connecting with myself running and connecting it to nature with nature exploring the trails and the mountains around me so not doing it because i need to get a reward after it or because i need to achieve something but doing it because that's what i enjoy to do as simple as that yeah and it's you know there's such a difference between there's such a difference between some of the things you've said, joy, contentment, fulfillment, experience, connection to nature, which, you know, if people- Yeah, are, <laughs> you can relate to, yeah. yeah I kind of get that. Um, but if, if, for those who are listening, there's lake, trees, and sky in my background. And if you can hear the waves, then that gives you an idea of where I am with nature. But um, so, those joy, that connection, that deep fulfillment, that's a very different experience of life than going for the next goal without experiencing what's happening along the way, without fully embracing 
all of the failures and the learnings and the, the experiences, instead of thinking that the achievement is the only thing there is. It, it's so empty compared to that it going is. for what's possible just because it's possible. Experiencing the world and something different and challenging just because you can and yep. really embracing all of it. Yep, uh, you know, I, I, that, that very much resonates with me and, and the journey that I've had to discover these things. You know, we, 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 are, we are told that we need to do certain things or achieve certain things to feel happy, to feel, to find that, to find purpose, you know, like, and, and that's pretty much one of the wake up calls that they kind of may, you know, allow me to make this transition was back then, you know, when I was still modeling, I had the opportunity to, you know, not just work with the, with some of the biggest names in the industry and, you know, work at the highest level, but I also had the opportunity to connect with, you know, let's say big characters out there, you know, like big players, uh, the, like what we call celebrities, socialites, whatever, people that have immense amount of, amount of wealth. And, and what I realized there, you know, it's that, despite what we're told, because, you know, we're always told that, you know, you need to find that material, you know, reward, satisfaction, you know, you get this fancy, these nice things and you should be happy and all of that. But what I realized in those moments is that those were some of the most miserable people I've ever met in my life mm -hmm. because they were doing, you know, they had, they had everything they wanted. They had everything that most people would dream of, but they weren't living a life worth living in a way mm -hmm. they weren't living a life that would give them a sense of, of fulfillment and purpose you know i keep on hitting those two words because that's what truly changed my life if you don't have a drive if you don't have a, a purpose in your life you can have all you know you can sit you can sleep in a bed of gold but you're gonna wake up every morning wondering what the heck are you doing here it's it's the there's two things that you said that i think really point to what's missing when someone has it all but they feel so empty and it's the it's the contentment or the allowing that contentment and the relationships the yeah. loving relationships in life yeah and if those two things if not being able to be just be and That's... being able to have <laughs> you hit that you hit the the target right there just be and be, con be content with yourself and who you, you know, it's, uh, you know, you said all, the, you, you really hit all the right spots, uh, even earlier when you were saying it's very much like a spiritual journey. And it's, and when you talk about spiritual journey, you will recognize the switch in direction. You know, everything we do in a societal, not pattern, societal pattern, what did you construct. say? Again? Construct. You know, from the moment we are, we go to school, when we're raised, we always tend to put everything outside of us. You know, everything is about, you know, getting good grades so that you can get a reward, then getting a good career so you can get good money, so you can buy things that eventually, you know, the, the whole pattern is wrong. The whole pattern is wrong right at the basis of it. And I'm not saying it's wrong to do these things because of course it would be naive that money, it doesn't serve us, you know, well in life and having nice things doesn't, is not a good thing, far from that. But it's the premise of it. 
it's the base a base of it that is wrong because ultimately if you're able to switch that direction and do the things that you do because that's who you are and that what drives you and that's where you draw purpose again where you find purpose within yourself you'll do these things even better and you'll pursue the things that you need to pursue even harder with more desire with more momentum with more drive and you don't need to pursue the financial success because once you achieve once you fulfill yourself and actualize yourself those things will chase you automatically and it's bonus it because you already have everything that you really exactly it's just the the icing on the cake and and there's you know it's that saying that if you if you love what you do you're never working a day in your life because it's it's just it's you're living you're living your best life already and that's exactly what i'm trying to create with the things that I, the things that I pursue, but also with how I coach, how I coach others. So in, in this, to, to shift gears just a little bit in terms yeah. of the, I, I happen to also uh, have a background in physiology and strength and conditioning and biomechanics and all these other things. Although those are the details really, but you've accomplished something that I think is truly phenomenal. I, it may sound impressive, but when, if it's a coach or a scientist to really understand that you've won a race that is the Yukon ultra, that's minus 40 degrees Fahrenheit. So in Celsius, probably around minus 20 ish. And, and then also the death valley the bad bad water 135 i imagine that's 135 miles 135 miles at 130 degrees at which 130 is about 54 degrees. celsius like it's so it is mind-boggling not only the distances but the distances in those conditions take another level of not only physical training but it's also the the mental toughness the resilience the determination so if you could comment on those two things like those extremes are so they're they're phenomenal they're really phenomenal and i think you've i think that's one of your um one of your records is one of your records the only person to win a hottest yeah. and coldest yeah hottest and coldest yeah <laughs> so i mean that's that's incredible i really want to acknowledge you for that because it takes something but i want to emphasize too that there's the physical side of things. It really takes something physically and it really takes something within this, this mental, this mind realm, not just brain forcing, but this mind realm. Can you, can you tell us a little bit about that? Because it's, it's a whole nother world. Absolutely. Um, you know, when I first started this, you know, my journey into ultra running, the, the search for, the next big challenge has always been, you know, I think most of ultra runners can relate to that. You know, there's always the word, you know, okay, you run a hundred miles. Okay. What can you do next? What's bigger than that? You know, what's, what, what can put me, and it's not, again, to me, it's never been about, you know, uh, bragging rights. It's always been about personal exploration. Uh, and fast, exactly. Yeah. Putting myself out there, what I'm to find out what I'm capable of. Because, you know, we grew up in a, in a, in a, in a way that we, 
you know, we, we, we were always told what is possible to do. You know, especially like I come from, you know, Italy with a strong Greek influence. We always, we always, I was raised with that, you know, the story of Pheidippides running the marathon and then dying. And then, you know, for the longest time, we always assumed that the marathon was the staple for human endurance beyond which the body simply couldn't go. And, you know, when I first did my nose in ultra running, I started finding out about these people running two, four, eight marathons in a row. <laughs> non-stop and they're perfectly healthy so yeah. i'm like okay so here's like redefining the you know it's almost like opening up the horizons to what's possible and so you know after a few years of experience and races here and there i came across this you know the yukon the yukon arctic ultra and you know up there in the middle of the northern territory in canada uh that fascination for the jack london's book you know the outposts of the you know golden exploration era and all of that and you know finding out that beyond you know beside the dog sled race there is this foot race and so i'm like okay and so i started doing more research and i was like okay this is like this looks like it's gonna push my you know my limits way further or at least put me way outside of my comfort zone because again i never ran that type of in that type of environment and so i signed up right away and along, you know, as soon as I signed up, I was like, you know what? I don't think anybody has ever done both, especially the same year. So in basically six months time, I ran the Yukon hundred miles in the Yukon territory in the, in the middle of the winter, as you said, temperatures drop into 40 below. And fast forward is less than six months, five months later, I told the line of bad water where temperatures reach about 130 degrees. That first year, of course, you know, I had a great, opportunity i read I, I would say um i was lucky enough to win the the yukon and when i told the line of bad water i was like you know I, I i went in with high hopes but then reality set in a lot of health issues came around and i suffered quite a bit i went through a lot of like health issues that you know could have been debilitating but i was so determined to bring it to an end that i literally crawled through that valley I finished the race, so I brought home the big, you know, the big challenge I set up to do, but I wasn't satisfied. I finished 25th position in a time that was way lower, slower than I thought I could have done. And so, you know, it took me a little time to kind of get back on my feet. In 2018, I told the line again at Bedwater, and in a way or another, you know, everything went pretty well, and I brought home the win that year. So, you know, that year 2016 i was able to finish both races and in a span of two years i was able to win both the coldest and the hottest what what um you know we i don't want to gloss over to people who don't really understand ultra as much i know that you know we've interviewed someone who is a former national team volleyball player who's run the leadville 100 so we wow. don't necessarily have the physique for as most ultra runners might but he didn't finish at his first Leadville and then he, he did the second one, finished it the following year. Wow. So, but, but in, in taking a look at this, what are, what are some of the things that you legitimately come up against from health, from injuries? What would be your top concerns that have come up for you in maybe that one bad water race or overall, what do you always have to be careful of in your training and your racing? Right. Well, I can tell you, as, since we're talking about the two extremes, you know, when I ran the Yukon, I, the last, let's say, 
two, three, four hours, I felt like I was running underwater because my cornea was frozen. Uh, and, you know, I was running through the night. I mean, it's, you know, up there in the winter, it's about 18 hours of darkness and about four, maybe four hours of four or five hours of dim light. So, you know, throughout the whole stretch in the dark, I, it was so cold that I couldn't keep my mask on because it was with the, the fact that I was running. I was also kind of sweating a little bit, mm -hmm. although I was trying to thermoregulate with the zippers and, you know, taking on and off layers and stuff. But I, I had to take my mask off because the little layer of sweat was freezing on my face and it was burning. Mm -hmm. So I decided to take it off without realizing that it was way worse because eventually it started freezing my cornea. And I couldn't even, uh, towards the end, I couldn't even kind of see the finish line. And I started running towards the, the, the yells of my father, which actually came from Italy to crew for me. <laughs> And he was like, he was ecstatic when he saw the light. He started yelling and I followed the, the screens oh, and eventually got there, <laughs> and, you know, and, and the, the running through these temperatures and breathing and breathing. I burned my trachea, I burned my stomach. So for like two, three months afterwards, it was a very debilitating, um, you know, situation because I couldn't eat properly. I couldn't drink anything hot or cold. It was, it was very challenging. Um, you know, it was my first experience in those conditions. So I definitely paid a, paid a toll, paid a price for that. And now with, the, you know, a little more understanding, I could make a few adjustments to suffer a little less. But, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's the journey that I signed up for. And I brought home a great deal of understanding of, of how resilient we are. Mm -hmm. If you set your mind to something, it doesn't matter and nothing matters. You know, there's a great saying, if you don't mind, it doesn't matter. It, so, it, your mind overcomes all the uh, mind all the can overcome anything and that's that's pretty much the beauty of of these type of challenges they allow you to tap into a greater like into your, your higher self uh you know we always talk about of course you got to have a, a, a fit body to achieve this type of things uh, you have to develop a strong mind but in my opinion the driving force is always much is something deeper or higher you know, heart soul spirit whatever you want to call it and if your if your soul if your heart is in it nothing that is a great servant but a terrible master so you can only rely on the mind up to a certain point you can use it to achieve whatever you want but you cannot allow it to make decisions because when they're going to get stuff it's always going to find an easy way out so the mind is always on a path of resistance, while the heart, in a way, is in a state of flow. So you got to tap into the higher self, into the state of flow to make it through whatever comes. Because, you know, the spiritual, the spiritual, the spiritual journey that I undertook in these years of exploration allow me to understand that the outside doesn't matter. The conditions outside don't matter if your inside is stable, is solid, is ground, is whole, you know, you need to be, you need to be fully connected within yourself and everything that goes on outside is just, it's just, you know, it's just noise. <laughs> and the same thing happens with the heat, you know, with the same in 2016, when I crawled through that valley, I started, you know, I suffered severe dehydration. I started, you know, it's not pretty to say, but I started peeing blood. My kidneys were shutting down. I was passing out after, you know, every mile or two. But I was so, I was so attached to it. I was so driven on a deeper level that it didn't matter. 
-hmm. you know, it, it didn't matter how I placed, it didn't matter the time, it didn't, you know, you, you, you strip down of everything. And that's why, you know, I, I call this, this, these journeys, these races, spiritual journeys, mm -hmm. because they truly allow you to tap into that uh, in a different realm, in a different experience of life. And, and more with what you're describing, more vulnerable in, on all levels, it sounds like just so, so vulnerable. Um, you, you also mentioned the state of flow. Do you find now that, is it, is it, do you notice the state of flow in showing up in other areas of life now that you've practiced it so much in, in your sport or your craft? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's something that, you know, those are lessons that transcend and sort of send this you know i also uh, i've been studying uh, yoga and meditation and mindfulness uh, in india uh studying in ashram in rishikesh and, uh, and that was just about 20 2018 so it was relatively recently and it was outstanding to me to see the similarities you know i started with with yogis that you know have been studying and practicing this this five six seven thousand years old craft up there in the himalayas and the the fact that you know yoga means union the union of the body the mind and the soul so there is a deeper connection and and i was truly mesmerized and amazed to see the similarities of how of what i discover through my personal journey in ultra running to the teachings that these Vedic people have been developed over thousands of years through, through asana, through yoga. So, you know, when we talk about yoga in our Western world, we think about the poses. No, those are just asanas. That's just like one little part of it. Yoga is a huge giant practice that brings you from, you know, pranayama, shatkarma practices, and, you know, a bunch of things. Now we're not gonna get into that because it's not really the topic, but, it's the understanding that through physical breaking through the physical barriers you can tap into the mind but then you have to break the mind too the mind you know we always stress in, in the western world we always stress the power of the mind and that's right up until a certain point but if you truly want to tap into something even greater you have to break the mind down to tap into the higher self, to tap into the heart, mind, soul, you know, spirit, soul, whatever we want to call it. Because only when you achieve that, you connect to a, I keep on saying something higher. Everything. It's a higher energy. It's a higher self. And once you achieve that, you're in a state, you find inf like that you were, we are infinite in many ways. And that's what I strive to do when I get into this type of, of races you detach you you break the physical barriers but then you have to detach from the mind as well because as i said before the mind is always on a path of resistance so you can be you know mind strong and you can push and push and push but it's always going to be a push once you break the mind and you 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 tap into that higher ground you're no longer in a path of resistance you're in a path of flow and once you into that you can go on forever. Nothing can stop you because you're unbothered. You are unattached. So you don't longer feel 
you know, pain is always going to be there because it's going to be an, a necessary part of your journey. But a great Buddhist saying that is fitting to this, pain is inevitable, but suffering is optional. Mm -hmm. So once you break the mind, there's no more suffering. You just accept pain for what it is and you're unbothered, you're unattached, you are unbounded. And that's when you truly feel free and put, set yourself for, you know, to achieve whatever you set out to do. That's, that's incredible. I, I, uh, I think of, there's, there's a definition of suffering that I love, which is that suffering is your pain about your pain. <laughs> that's exactly right it's, it's your, something that a mind creates you know exactly, you suffer exactly. you it's your interpretation of pain yeah that's and, it that's is it and then at the same time what you've described in in going through the physical into the mind and then beyond the barrier of the mind and into a a higher space or transcending that yeah experiencing something like that really emphasizes how insignificant our physical experience of the world is our physical experience of the world is just you know it's just a thing and that's not really what it's a very know. tiny it's a speck yeah. it's a little speck <laughs> we think that's everything but the reality is it's, it's next to nothing and uh and that's I, you know that's what i think the social construct is is taking you know is lowering our our understanding of what we can do or what we're capable of because it keeps everything to the physical ground to the physical realm so not being able not allowing ourselves to tap into these higher grounds it, it you know in many in many ways it's it's minimizing our experience it's not allowing us to experience life and and our potential to the utmost i love this i love this experience of utilizing what's available to us physically utilizing what's available to us within our natural environment connecting with our natural environment to really understand and maybe never even fully understanding, but at least have a sniff at a, a bigger perspective or a big, bigger experience. Um, right now, what do you, is there anything that you're, that's either holding you back or that you're afraid of or you're struggling with right now? What's, what's happening in your world right now with all that you've experienced and learned so far? Well, you know, I think last year and this year, because we're still in the rough seas in many ways, um, I think allowed us to to understand that we we don't we're not in control, and so that's that's already kind of a, a step forward in many ways to kind of you know reassess our situations as a whole, as a hu humanity, uh, and uh, and so to me, I gotta tell you, you know, it's been a it's been a, a journey of highs and lows just like ultra running, just like, just like life, you know, you are, you know, we, we've been going through so many moments of despair and then moments where we felt like we we're going to come up. So, you know, it's, it's definitely been a rough patch for me uh, at the beginning, as I said before, you know, I, I, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a type of person that likes to, to kind of plan things ahead. I, I like to live in the moment, but I like to think to plan ahead because mm -hmm. I, at least I have a direction. And so I came to a point where I'm like, okay, 
these things, you know, races are getting canceled. Uh, I had uh, expedition planned. I had, you know, all these things that, you know, I always plan about a year in advance, at least, if not more. So, you know, it, it made me face reality and the fact that I am not in control of any of that. So bringing the, bringing the focus within and not stressing too much about the outside world allow me to find balance again. And, and I'm not saying that, you know, I have all the answers and then I'm like, you know, everything is good, but I, I strive to, to work on myself and develop myself in a way that whatever comes, I'm okay with it. Because again, as I said before, you know, you, if you if your inner self is, you know, I often relate to, to a body of water. You know, we're like, let's say a, a lake, just like your lake in there. You know, you can, you can throw all the rocks in there that you want that creates these waves and they disrupt your peace. But if your deeper self is quiet and calm, you can absorb those ripples and, you know, and not necessarily feel depressed or distressed or, you know, or, or discontent. Because a lot of times, you know, we, we, you know, we always put our expectations towards the outside world. And when that's out of our control, then we, you know, we feel we are lost. Yeah. So this is, this is the one teaching, the one lessons that I carry with me, you know, not stressing too much about the outside influences and working on myself every single day. It's never, you know, it's never mastered. It's a craft that needs to be refreshed and re, you know, re kind of reestablished every single day, every single week, every single season, every single year. It's a constant work. It's a constant labor, but you know, it's a labor of love in my, in my opinion, because mm -hmm. once you come from, you know, once you are content within, once you are, you know, you, when you come from a point of love and gratitude for where you are, what do you have in your life, the people that are around you, then you open up to a kind of version of yourself. And in many ways, you know, you can also influence those around you for the best. And that's, that's, that's where I'm at right now. <laughs> that's, that's beautiful. And, and it's the, it's also the realization that no matter how far any, anyone has grown or, or um, even, even, more of a spiritual practice or enlightenment or experiences in life there's still going to be something that comes up at some point that's just that's just part of it that's just part of you know and we can't even never really say that it wasn't supposed to happen because it did yep. so you know we, we i think in our in our in our experiences we always try to we focus on what we don't want. So we push away the things that, you know, we don't, we don't like the things that are put us in, in discomfort the things that, but just simply accepting what it is for what it is, mm -hmm. you know, you're just opening up to a much more calm, grounded, and I would say content self, because, you know, I mean, let's face it, this is life. And, you know, we have one, one opportunity to make it memorable and make it, a, make it exciting for ourselves. So, Focusing on, on the negatives just limits ourselves and kind of freezes ourselves on our steps and doesn't allow us to focus on the positive and what is actually, um, you know, changing our life for the best. So, you know, it's always, it's always in a way, um, it, that's why I say it's a constant work, you know, every single day, 
you need to kind of reassess these things and to kind of refresh in the mind and the, the spirit to what it is that feeds you, that feeds your soul. Because ultimately, that's the only true rich riches, you know, of our of our existence. It's it's us. It's it's who we are, and, and in my in my opinion, how we can contribute. And that's that's what I find fulfillment. That's what I find the purpose in what I do. It's contributing in a way that it, it's something greater than myself. You know, it's not about the financial return or you know the the you know getting praise for achieving whatever we achieve, but it's it's about you know understanding how we can give more to others and pave the road for something more, something greater for for ourselves as a whole, as a, as a species. You know, I realized in my you know in my in, in my personal journey, my personal story. You know, I realized how. Uh, powerful inspiration is and uh, because not only changed my life you know a decade ago but it it truly saved it and so now being in this position where i can hopefully inspire others uh to you know take on a new challenge push beyond themselves believe that they can do it does no matter the circumstances or whatever they are in this moment in their lives is the most rewarding feeling that I can get. And that's what fires me up every day to pursue myself. So there is, it's almost like a, you know, it's a, it's a self-propelling energy powering, you know, itself up. And, you know, I, I feel myself be, I, I feel beyond privilege and honor to be in this position now. It's, it's really, it's very powerful and you're truly, you're truly demonstrating what is possible. Um, and, and on more of a more of a superficial note, just for the fun curiosity of our listeners, what what would you say would be a favorite meal for heading into training or post-workout? Do you have a favorite meal? And uh, so favorite meal favorite music, favorite training? Those are some fun questions we like to ask. All right. Well, I like, I, I am very much plant-based, but uh, before a race, I, I love sushi. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's my go-to. The night before a race, I go sushi, especially like salmon. It has good fats. You know, you get some good carbs from rice and, you know, a very tiny amount of veggies in there. So, you know, try not to put fibers, too much fibers in the body, but that's like, you know, it also satisfied my, 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 my taste buds. Yeah. Um, uh, so I would go with sushi. Um, favorite music, you know, um, that's, that's a very tough question because if I'm, if I, if I share my playlist with you, you'll be, you'll be very surprised. I have anything and everything. I have everything from Pavarotti to opera, to Lil Wayne, to yeah. hard rock, to eighties rock, to, to hip hop, to, uh, you know, to tank techno dance, everything. I love Pop, it. Easiest. I mean, I even had Katy Perry in there. So that's, that does just something. <laughs> love it. Love um, and favorite training, um, you know, when it comes to training, I realize how important it is to to find joy in training you know i'm a type of person that doesn't necessarily stick too much to i have a routine that i plan ahead of time because i know you know now that i understand periodization now that i understand this thing yeah. but 
I do not stress too much about pace. I don't stress about, you know, I, I might do some speed work here and there, but most of, most often it's not even by the watch it's by songs. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, like I do things that, and, and you know, and it's, I'm not saying that, you know, that necessarily works for everybody, but it works for me. Uh, I don't like to go on a track and be, you know, in a way, I don't like the word, but it's how it is enslaved to the, to the watch. Yeah. Uh, I, I just, because I, I realized that that's, that's not sustainable in the long run, mm -hmm. at least for me again, you know, I, every time I put too much stress, too much effort, it, it, I turn to burnout. Mm -hmm. So what I realize right nowadays, or at least in the past few years is when I go out, I know I need to do something specific. I need, you know, I knew, I know what I, I know what I have to do, but I try to turn it in a way that I can have fun with it. Uh, and then, you know, if you ask me what my favorite train run, my, my favorite training is, is probably the long runs on the weekend. Mm -hmm. And most often are out on the trails, out in the big mountains. You know, I get up there. I don't care about the pace. I get up, you know, my, my goal is to, to experience what I'm doing and spend time on my feet. And if one day I feel great and I'm dropping fast miles, perfect. The next week I'm not feeling it. And I'm just walking it or hiking it and, uh, you know, hiking it up and running it down or whatever it is, I take that home as well as a, as a you know, productive day. So my, my recommendation to any and all runners is find joy in what you're doing. Nice. Yeah. At I, any level. I love that because it, in what you've just given, given our listeners an example of is action that's aligning with the entire message that you've just that you've just described and you know if you had just said oh you know i have to do this and i have to do that then <laughs> you know it doesn't align with all of the things that you've said in terms of how you're connected with your body your mind yeah. your environment your 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 sense of now all of those things so um to wrap this up, one one last real question here, yes. and that is, if you think of think back to your younger self, or you think of young people now going through COVID, inspiration is something that's so important to you. What would be a message or some words of wisdom that you'd like to give to maybe your younger self or or other people, young people now who might use a little motivation or inspiration? Is there a message that you have? Well, <laughs> there could be like a lot of messages, um, especially you know, for all the things that, that we are, you know, that we've been talking about. But, you know, there are, I would start, you know, I, I always found the, as for as used as it's been and for a, a, whatever cheesy could sound but i really resonated with that phrase by steve jo steve jobs you know stay hungry stay foolish and the message that i can get out there you know kind of spinning off of that is the that message always reminded me how important it is to uh, uh in a way never feel arrived never feel like you know that you that you are there because you never will you know when we talk about uh, physical preparation you're never gonna achieve that 100 perfect fitness and you're never going to be able to sustain it if you're talking about on a mental level you're going to achieve mental fortitude but eventually they're going to come times they're going that's going to crumble 
if you talk on a spiritual level, you hear people nowadays uh, saying they're woke. And I'm like, well, just because you say you're woke, it shows that you, you are completely asleep. Because, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you know, you can be on a, on, a, on a path to awakening, but not even the most uh, accomplished or, well, or actually uh, spiritually sound guru is never uh, woke. So it's, it's about understanding that you can always develop yourself more. You can always go further. And so this, this also means that you can continue, especially in a moment of trial, like these ones that you're saying through COVID and, and the uncertainties that we're facing in our societies nowadays, it's, con it's about continuing to try and retry, even when everything around us is, you know, tells us that it's not possible. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the, the, I'm probably he, the, the, the greatest message that I would like to share is about encouraging everyone that is listening to venture into the unknown mm -hmm. and to embrace it because we're always going to come to a point where we cannot control what's going on. You know, it's always good to stay in our pond, in our, in our castle, let's say in the safety of our castle and control the things that we know we can control. But if one thing that I learned is that there's growth only happens when you start venturing outside venturing into the unknown start threading in uncharted water because that's when you discover your strength your resilience and your ability to make it through the tough moments you know it's 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 all about i think life it's all about risk and failure because you can only learn from those and develop yourself to a higher to a higher self uh, higher understanding of what you're capable of so you know we are i think from the moment we grow up we we all have as we said before you know we have great desires we have great uh hopes and then life puts us in a box and it makes us re request you know kind of re-question our choices and the things that we wanted to do and that step alone makes us feel no worthy makes us makes our faith kind of fade um and again you know we all have ambitions and too often we're afraid to take risks we're afraid not to be good enough, not to be strong enough, not to be smart enough. We, in a way, we feel trapped by all these uncertainties, by these, you know, this situation that makes us feel uh, unworthy and, you know, the fear of failure and all of these things. So in every step that you're taking outside of your comfort zone, we discover our strength, our perseverance and our abilities to grow and achieve those dreams. So in whatever direction we're gonna go, again, my direction has been towards an athletic endeavor and exploration, ultra running, uh, you know, endurance sports, but whatever it is you're calling, whether it is, you know, business careers, whichever things you wanna do in life, just don't be afraid, don't be afraid to fail because that's just, a, you know, that's just an inevitable part of your journey to success. And just enjoy the ride. <laughs> <laughs> that's as simple as that. That's that's very powerful, very beautiful. Where can people find your book? You've got a book that's out, and and what platforms do you hang out on so people can look for you? Yes, I I'm pretty much a, um you know you can find me on pretty much all social media platforms, but I'm I'm very much more active on Instagram, at uh, and you can find me at Mickey and my C K Y. Last name Graglia, G R A G L I A, or on my website, michelegraglia.com.
Beautiful. And then your book? Yes, the book launched uh, the end of June, and it's been an incredible journey already in this past couple of months. Um, it's called Ultra, Top Model to Top Ultra Runner, which pretty much goes through this uh, life-changing transition uh, of lifestyle even. And um, and uh, yeah, you know, it's available. Um, you can find it on my website or just Amazon. You can find uh, all the, you know, paper bags, hard covers, um, the e ebook and it's but, the, the audiobook is about to be released probably by the end of the summer but hopefully people will get it from your website because that's that, that'll be the the best place to get it website yes absolutely okay well i am so grateful to have this experience with you this has been very powerful thank you for coming on and sharing your experiences and wisdom with our audience and i can't wait to hear more about your endeavors it's been a great pleasure thank you so much if you enjoy listening to the empowered team podcast you'll love being on the team the empowered team runs year-round it is our group coaching and accountability program where we take mindset and physical performance concepts and break them down to usable action steps that optimize results to join, email us at info at empowerconditioning.com with subject line team. That's info at empowerconditioning.com. We can't wait for you to be on the team.